Jesus Christ, our living hope. Uh, folks, I, I sometimes think that we just kind of forget that. We get lost in all of the extra stuff, the distractions of life, and, uh, and forget, just even take for granted to the point that it's just like, okay, ho-hum, <laughs> Jesus Christ is our hope, yeah, good, okay, what's next? And uh, man, I hope, I hope we don't do that. Um, we need to work hard at that. So as, with that as my segue this morning, so what did you trust God for yesterday? What did you have to trust God for? I said, well, let's see, I was out in the snow. Roads were slick a little bit. I guess I had to trust God for safety. All right, well, so what are you trusting God for today, this morning? What will you trust God for this week? You see, I think we sometimes could just walk right through our daily schedule and not trust God for anything because we just can do it ourselves. You know, God has given us stuff and we, we're okay. You know, we're all right. When I ask those questions about trusting God, whether it's yesterday or today or this coming week, what typically comes to mind as the things for which you need to trust God? What, what would that list look like as you began to answer what we're trusting God for? What typically comes to mind? Probably, first off, are the daily necessities. Right? I mean, we think about that. Um, food, clothing, shelter, place to live. I think that's a real easy, man, Jane and I were driving home the other day in, in the snow and it, you know, when it was one of those days, it was like 13 degrees or something and the wind was blowing 100 miles an hour and, you know, even colder than that and we're like, wow, aren't you glad we have a, a warm home and a warm car even? I mean, we, we think about those things and, and then... Um, we begin to think about, all right, the need of necessities, water, um, a job, safety on the road. We talked about that. Money, health. Trust God for your health, for life. Or for the life of your family or friends. Um, would you be angry with God if he only provided for your necessities? Think about that. If God only provided what we needed. Now that would be an interesting list. I mean, really, what do we need? We have a whole lot more than what we need, right? Would you be angry with God if he only provided your necessities, only the things that you need? 
might be interesting to see if we just said, all right, God, take away everything that I really don't need. Just, just leave the necessities, whatever they are, take the rest. Would we be happy about that? That's something you have to think through. I, I, think a little deeper with me. Um, as we think about what are things that we trust God for. So, freedom. Do we trust God for the freedom? Do we take that for granted that we have? I mean, I, I was reading a story this morning about uh, believers being murdered, martyred over in Africa for no other reason than that they were believers. And we think of the freedom and we think of safety, security, protection from weather. Right? I mean, it was just last week and the week before. Again, it seems out of season, but there were tornadoes, homes, towns devastated, destroyed. Do we trust God for that? Um, fire. You turn on the news here in northeastern Pennsylvania, there are, there are always fires, homes burned down, buildings burned down, whatever it is. Theft. You ever think about coming home to your house and find your home's been broken into? I mean, are we trusting God for protection from that? What, what about um, church shootings? It was just a few weeks ago that we saw, if you saw the video, of the shooting in a church in Texas. And we sometimes think, well, that, that wouldn't happen here. Certainly God would protect us. I mean, we're, we know the Lord. What, what do you think those people in that Bible-believing church felt? I mean, the things, what are we trusting God for? Um, what about the salvation and spiritual growth of our children? Or maybe of our parents or family? of close friends? What about the spiritual health of our marriage? The spiritual health of our family? Do we trust God for those kinds of things? What about trusting God for the things that it takes to follow Jesus? We sometimes think that that's difficult. I, I, I don't know if I can really trust God for that. Well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24 that we need to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. We need to say no to self. Another translation says it this way. We must give up our own way to be a follower of Jesus. Give up our own way if we're going to follow Jesus. Do we trust God? To help us be generous. You say, well, I, I don't know if I can really afford to be that generous. Trusting God means that generosity has nothing to do with your bank account. It has everything to do with God. And his desire to show himself through our generosity. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Does that take trust? 
taking the time, or we might say finding the time. Scripture would probably say making the time to spend time reading the Bible or spend time praying. Are we willing to trust God for all of those things, for the time necessary, for the commitment, whatever it may be? What about the things that might require taking a risk? You ever thought about that? The things that might require, like Peter stepping out of the boat, we saw that last week in Matthew chapter 14. We would say, all right, was that a risk on Peter's part? Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come onto the water. We might think that was a risk, but does trusting God require a risk? How about those things that it, that it takes to follow Jesus? Jesus said, hey, follow me and what? I'll make you fishers of men. Is there trust involved in telling other people about Jesus? If that's what it means to follow Jesus, that he will make us fishers of men, we've got to speak up. We've got to, tell the, we've got to share the gospel, give out the truth. Is that a risk? Somebody might think we're weird. Maybe at work, if you did that, you could get fired. You might lose friends or neighbors. Is there a risk? And then when we talk about a risk in following Jesus or trusting him, uh, we might say, well, is it really a risk if it involves God? Was it really a risk for Peter to step out of that boat? I suppose only if Jesus had said, no, 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 we're, we're not going there, Peter. Stay right where you are. But the fact that Jesus said, come, is that a risk? Is that a, really a risk? Why? I mean, who said come? Jesus. I, th I thought sometimes the way we think of risk, we just kind of throw that out there. I, I, I looked, I, I, Googled, I Googled it. And, and Wikipedia says it this way. Risk is the potential for uncontrolled loss of something of value. Wow, that sounds... Wow. Uncontrolled loss of something of value. And, 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 and then it talks about, okay, value such as physical health, social status, emotional well-being, financial wealth, those are all things that can be gained or lost when we take risk. Does following Jesus involve a risk? Think about that. You'll have to give that some consideration. Is it really a risk? Now let me go back to where we were last week. It is hard to trust someone you don't know. Right? I was going to do a demonstration this morning as like an introduction of trust fall. Anybody familiar with trust fall? Right? Google that too. There's actually videos and everything. Trust fall, I was going to get Paul and John and, and David and, and a few of people that I have known for a long time very well with whom I'm willing to trust my back and, and, and have them just line up here with their arms out like this and just turn and, and fall back into their arms off the platform. And, and if you've never done that, it's, it's quite, a, quite a deal. But it takes trust. And, and, and the point is, you're, 
probably more apt to trust people that you know than those who you don't know. It's hard to trust somebody you don't know, right? You're not going to ask the next door neighbors or, or people down the street that you don't know to babysit your kids. You, how can you trust that? You don't even know them. So as we think about this business of trust, let's review. In fact, let me talk with you about, I, I was thinking about this and, 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 and kind of came up with a trust cycle. So we're going to follow Jesus. It starts by knowing him. You got to know him. We talked about that last week. And, and, and then once you know him, you can trust him. That's the idea. If you know Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he is God himself, what's not to trust? But if we don't really know him, I didn't say know about, but you don't really, it's going to be very difficult to trust. But once we know him, we can trust him. And once we trust him, we can then follow him. And sometimes I wonder why we're not willing to step out and really follow Jesus, really be known as a follower of Jesus, if it has to do with the fact that we really don't know him like we say we do or think we do. And because of that, we're not so quick to trust him. And if we don't know him, not willing, therefore, to trust him and not really trusting is going to be very difficult to follow somebody, to follow Jesus. So as we begin this morning, open your Bibles again with me to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. So where we were last week, page 685 in the Bibles underneath the chair in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, would like to follow along. There's a Bible there, page 685, Matthew chapter 14. And I'm not going to read through the text. I'm going to talk through it again, and we'll have it on the screen. You can just follow right down through the Scripture. And uh, the verse before, verse 21, we found that Jesus had just fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes, right? What, What an amazing thing. And then after that, we're told... In verse 22, that Jesus had the disciples immediately after that get into the boat and send them across the Sea of Galilee, the lake. And, um, and then Jesus went up under the mountain by himself to pray. And later that night, as the, he had sent the disciples out across the lake, they were in the middle of a storm, pretty rough storm. They were a good distance from shore, but having hard time with the wind and the waves and the storm that came up. So Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, walking on the water. And as they saw him, as they looked up, they were a little shook up by the wind, by the storm, probably not sure what was going to happen. And as they look up, Jesus is coming across. The Bible tells us they are terrified because they thought it was a ghost. And as soon as Jesus realized they were terrified, saw, they thought that he was a ghost, he said to them, we're told immediately, he said, take courage, it's I, it's it's me. He says, don't be afraid. Jesus, Jesus didn't want them to be fearful. He didn't want them to be stressed out and having a heart attack. Or he, 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 it's me, 
Don't be afraid. And that's when Peter, verses 28 and 29, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Tell me to walk out to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. Peter steps out of the boat, starts walking. We, get, again, don't know how far or how long. And, 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 and as that happened, obviously he got distracted. He took his eyes off Jesus because we're told that he saw the wind. He saw the storm. He experienced the effects of that splash in the face or whatever it was that kind of stirred him. And, and he realizes what's happening. And we're told in Scripture, beginning to sink. It's good that he didn't wait till he got all the way down to here or, or you know, here. And then starts one and two. No. Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached down. And pulled Peter up out of the water and said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Wasn't that he had zero faith. He probably would never have asked Jesus to have me come. He never would have stepped out of the boat if he'd have had zero faith. Jesus said, you of little faith. One writer said this about, he said, uh, uh, Jesus didn't rebuke Peter for attempting too much, but for trusting too little. It wasn't really the risk, it was a lack of trust on Peter's part. So what's going on here? What's the story all about? Well, as I mentioned last week, Jesus, I believe, Jesus is confirming his identity. He is continuing to reveal to the disciples to teach them who he is. He wants them to know who he is. He wants them to know him. Why? So that they can trust him. He wants them to realize that he is the son of God. And, and as he does that, they can then trust him and will ultimately follow him we talked about the storm another storm in Matthew chapter 8 and if you look back into that story you'd find out that Jesus was asleep in the boat and again they're out on the sea and of Galilee and there's a storm and 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 they wake Jesus up thinking they're going to drown and he says to them again he says he says you of little faith why are you so afraid again he rebukes them little faith And as Jesus calmed the storm, what we're told in Matthew 8 is they said, what kind of man is this? They didn't understand who he was. They were following, but they really didn't know him. What kind of man is this? Well, now in Matthew chapter 14, again, situation out in the middle of a storm and now as Jesus comes the storm it pulls Peter out of the water they get back into the boat we're told in Matthew chapter 14 verses 32 and 33 that they all worshiped him their response was wow you really are the son of God so this morning to you is Jesus just your savior that's a great thing. But is that as far as your knowledge of Jesus as the Son of God goes? 
How well do you know him? That he is, yes, Jesus, our Savior, the Messiah, the one who has delivered us from sin. We sang about that this morning. But do we understand he is the Son of God, God himself? That's what Jesus is teaching the disciples. You see, because when, when he leaves them, and, and just a few chapters ahead in Matthew is when he begins to tell them that he's going to have to suffer and go to the cross, and I'll get to that in just a minute, but, but that's what was involved. So this morning, I want you to be able to say to Jesus, to your Father, I will do whatever it takes to follow Jesus in 2020. This year, I will do whatever it takes to follow Jesus. Are you willing to say that? I don't know what 2019 was like for you. I don't know if you feel like you were really following Jesus. But this year, whatever it takes... Are you willing to say, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what? Well, I see in our text, there's, there's two requirements, two steps we need to take if that's going to happen. One is to really know Jesus. And that talk starts with salvation. That starts with knowing him as Savior. We looked at John chapter 17 and verse 3 last week, which simply says, and this is eternal life, salvation, that they know you. This is Jesus. This is the real Lord's prayers. Jesus is praying to Father. This is eternal life, that they know you and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's salvation, to know God and to know Jesus Christ, knowing God by faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, dying in our place for our sin. That's salvation. And that's following begins as we come to know God by faith in Jesus Christ. And we move from knowing about him to knowing him. When we choose to believe, when we choose to trust, it's because we've come to know who he is. We recognize he is Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. He said he would forgive our sin if we would believe. When we know that about him, we believe and we come to not just know about, but we come to really know him. Knowing someone takes time. Right? Think back to any relationship you have with any human being. It takes time to, to build a relationship, to come to, to know somebody. Well, it's the same with Jesus. It requires time spent with that individual. It requires time spent with Jesus. It requires time spent listening to what he has to say. It requires, it comes to time spent talking to him. We call that prayer. We wonder why we really don't know him when we're, we're not regularly listening to him, when we're not talking to him. 
but it takes time to get to know Jesus. We need to be willing to put that time in. You know, and it, it seems at times we just think we get saved and somehow we just magically, automatically know all there is to know. And again, I'm not just talking about the facts. It's not about winning the Bible trivia game. It's about knowing him. Who he is and all that he's done and what he means to us. It's really hard to follow somebody you don't know. Came across this quote. One writer said, our faith is not based on what we see. It's based on who God is. Who God is. When we know who he is, there's really no risk involved. Because he's God. So do you know him? Came across this. Uh, I, I've been going through. We, we sang about God's mercy this morning. If you're not familiar with, with uh, Paul David Tripp's New Morning Mercies. It's a, a devotional guide that takes you through all 365 days of the year. And uh, you can start anywhere and go on through, and he has thoughts and scripture to read and challenge. And I was reading this past week and came across this. I, I, I thought, wow, do you know God this way? Here it is. He knows. He understands. He is in control of what appears to be chaos. He is never surprised. He is never confused. He never worries or loses a night's sleep. He never walks off the job to take a rest. He never gets so busy with one thing that he neglects another. And he never plays favorites. And that's the God who saved us. And I read scripture along with that. One of the Psalms and, and, and I was journaling and, and, and this is what I wrote. The daily confusion that sometimes seems like bedlam, the storms that sweep over us and threaten to drown us, the craziness of the world in which we live and move and have our being is not because the world is simply out of control. But it is the result of the God, our God, who is absolutely and completely in control. Was reading Acts 17 was the passage of Scripture. And we sometimes think that we look at the world and all that's going on just in our own country, just add on to that then around the world, and, and we just think, man, this world, it's out of control. It's chaos. It's just going however. No, it's not. Everything, the craziness, all of it, the bedlam, the storms, all of it is exactly according to God's plan. It is absolutely and completely under his control. That's our God. That's our God. Do you understand that? And because that's true, is there really anything 
that we'd have to say is a risk for us as we follow Jesus? Is there really any need to be afraid? That's why that's what Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew 8 and again in Matthew 14. Wait a minute. Why are you afraid? Why do you doubt? I'm God. I'm the son of God. Why so little faith? I'm God. Now, just so you know, folks, I struggle, too. I absolutely struggle with that fear and doubt. I, I allowed myself, walking in this morning, I can't, <laughs> walked in the back door through the parking lot and, and, and had a conversation, and I got, was irritated, and I, and I walked into my office, and, and I was irritated some more, and something else, and I was irritated, and, and then I got irritated at myself for being irritated, right? And I'm like, wait a minute. This is exactly what I, I've been moved about in my heart. I need to trust God. God is in control of all the chaos, What am I so irritated about? It's God we're here to serve this morning and to focus on and to worship. It's God that we need to trust. Man, do you know that, God? Peter said it this way. We say, well, how do we know him? Well, in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. And, and listen, through our knowledge of him. Through our, wait, wait did you hear where that, did, who wrote that? Peter. Yes, the same Peter who walked on the water. And he says, hey, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. And then he goes to chapter 3 and verse 18, the last verse of, of 2 Peter, and he says this, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Are you growing in your knowledge of him? That's how we know the power of God that's given everything we need for life and godliness. It's through knowing him. Are you growing in your knowledge of Jesus? Or is it just, we know? yeah, we know the facts. Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again. Good, I'm saved. Amen, all right. Who's playing this afternoon? See, it's about our growth. And that comes as we know him. Well, not only do we need to know Jesus, we need to trust him. Because it's really hard to follow someone you don't trust. And you won't trust him if you don't know him. But when we come to know him, we can trust him. When we know that he is the son of God, he is God himself, how can we not trust him? How would it even be close to thinking that that's a risk to trust him? He's God. And as we look back at our text, 
Matthew chapter 14, verses 28 to 30. Peter stepped out of the boat. He basically had been living with Jesus, he and the 12 disciples. They'd been day by day, most of the time, with him. Everywhere he went and all that they did, he he was there. Peter was there. But Peter had been paying attention. He'd learned from Matthew chapter 8 to Matthew chapter 14. He realized when they said, who is this man? In Matthew 8, till he gets to Matthew 14 and they're like he's willing to walk on water and he's, truly this is the Son of God. And when we know who he is, we can trust him. And when he said to Jesus, Jesus, tell me to come to you. Jesus says, come, and Peter steps out. Of course, when he doubts and begins to sink, he cries, Lord, save me. But Peter was learning to trust Jesus. Somebody's telling me we were talking about this week. There is a book out there, you know, um, Get Out of the Boat, something like that. Just get out of the boat. That's not really a risk because it's Jesus that we have to look at when we do that. But the trust factor, and that comes as grows, but Peter was growing. Look back in Matthew chapter 14 at our, actually look ahead to chapter 16 because I want you to see the progression and the, and the struggle. We sometimes look at these Bible, uh, the disciples or the, the, the great heroes of the faith that we read about in Matthew or Hebrews chapter 11 and, and we just think that, yeah, but they're way above us. They're just so super spiritual we could never be that like that oh we could because it's not just all as great as we think look at Peter's growth so that's what happened he grew from Matthew 8 to Matthew 14 to who is this man to truly he's the son of God now that was along with the other disciples but then we get to chapter 16 and in verse 13 We read, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. God, wow, Peter's come a long way. But lest we think there's some greatness here, look ahead a few verses. Because we get to the point in verse 21 of Matthew 16, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh, 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 Peter, you forgot already who you're talking to. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You see, that's the difference. Peter Peter started thinking about himself and what he wanted, rather than, as Jesus says, the concerns of God. You see, it was a roller coaster for Peter. And it will be for us too. 
but that roller coaster, it kind of ought to be on a generally uphill progression. That ought to be the course because that's growth. We learn something and then we blow it and then we get back up and we grow and we learn some more and we may blow it again and then we get back up and we keep growing because we recognize that he is the son of God. Because Peter continued to listen what Jesus had to say and he continued to watch and observe and he continued to obey and he continued to trust and trust and more trust and he continued to grow and he continued to become more like Jesus and if we continued to follow Peter's trail we'd move right on into the, 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 the day after or the day of the resurrection we'd, we'd go to the night that Jesus right was Crucified or the day before he's crucified when Peter did what? Denied that he knew Jesus? What Peter just declared? You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You see, he's just like us. We battle and folks, that doesn't mean we stop growing. It doesn't mean we stop knowing about him. It doesn't mean we stop stepping out by faith and trusting God. But some of us have been saved for a long, long time and, and, and it's probably like this instead of like this. We need to grow. We need to be willing to do whatever it takes. Trust God. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a couple of verses that many of us could quote regularly, use regularly when it comes to knowing and doing the will of God in our lives. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on to, don't depend or trust on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge literally, in all your ways, know him. Know him. And what? He'll direct your paths. In all our ways as we seek to know him, we move forward. We trust God and make a decision and keep going. We follow Jesus. Peter had, the, you might say, well, Peter had the, the unique privilege and opportunity of walking on this earth with, with Jesus, living with Jesus. You know what? So do we. Because when we get saved, guess what? Jesus comes to live in us. Isn't that amazing? He comes to live in us. And we follow him. Wow. So when, when I put that statement up there that I just want to see us, are you willing to tell God that whatever it takes, I will follow Jesus in 2020 you say oh man I'm not sure if I'm ready for that I'm not sure if I can do that you can't but guess what Jesus lives within you and as you continue to know him and as you continue to learn more about him as you continue to trust him and move forward whew, we can whatever it takes follow Jesus do you know him are you trusting 
Jesus. Now there's so much involved here in what I think Jesus is preparing Peter and the disciples for after he's gone. After he died, was buried, rose again, went back to heaven. And who was left behind? The disciples to start the church and to reach a world for Christ. Jesus was preparing them and if they were going to fulfill the commission that, God was, that Jesus was going to give them in Matthew 28, they had to get ready. They had to learn. They had to know Jesus. They had to trust Jesus if they were going to accomplish the task after Jesus went back to heaven. And so it is for us. Let me close with a text in Hebrews chapter 12 because this is real. This so fits because Peter had his problem walking on the water. What happened when he took his eyes off Jesus, right? This is nothing new. You've heard that before. Jesus started sinking when he saw the storm. He no longer was seeing Jesus. But when he saw the storm, oh, he took his eyes off Jesus. Well, look, look what the writer of the book of Hebrews says in chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, I have it on the screen too. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's all the people that he just talked about in Hebrews chapter 11. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. That's, the, that's what I said to you at the beginning. Whatever it takes. And the writer of the book of Hebrews here says, let's throw off everything that hinders our walk with God and the, the sin that so easily entangles and distracts and trips us up and puts us on our face. And let's run with per perseverance, patience, the race marked out for us. Here it is, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Always looking forward, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he's the pioneer, the beginner, the trailblazer, and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross because Jesus went to the cross. That's why we look at him. Scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sin. Why? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Hardly a comparison, but the Super Bowl's not far away. But any, athlete, any sport, you watch how many billion-dollar professional athletes are out there and drop the football when it's right in their hands. Why? Because they took their eye off the ball and was looking at the wide-open path to the end zone. Or they were looking at the defender who was about to knock them off their feet. But they dropped the ball because they took their eyes off the ball. We many times, as it relates to our walk with Jesus, drop the ball because we take our eyes off Jesus. Peter needed to keep his eyes on Jesus when he was walking on the water. 
And the writer of the book of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus. He went to the cross for us. He's the son of God. He's God himself. And that's why we can say whatever it takes. I will follow Jesus in 2020. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Oh God, I don't want to oversimplify. This life on earth. Because it is difficult. And at times it looks chaotic and unbelievably crazy and impossible. And yet, help us to keep our eyes on Jesus because He's God. Because He lives within us. Oh God, help us to be willing to say, I want to know Him and trust him and follow him whatever it takes God that you will give us the strength to do that God would you not let us as believers just as followers of Jesus just go through life as a routine just the same old same old and forget why we're here and that you want to use us to accomplish so much for the glory of God. God, help us to keep our eyes on Jesus. For it's in his name I pray. Amen.